in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. How are you, buddy? I'm fantastic. How are you? You're nicely dressed today. Well, I came straight from my other job <laughs> to get here to do this job. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. They make you put on your Sunday best every day? Every day, man. Every day. Got to look sharp. I'm going to change it up and come in a suit and tie next week. Well, you can do that. I, I normally don't work at uh, Hilton on Wednesdays, but because I was out of town, took some days off i decided to fill in today very so, cool boom. and this is episode 70 it is which is awesome it, 70. it's flown by for us honestly gosh so for those of you who are new to the show or are listening for the first time or maybe just started listening recently john and i started the show uh, 70 episodes ago but about a year and a half ago and the mindset behind wheelhouse was to bring together entrepreneurs influencers local charities national charities um, like the charity we're going to have on today, mm -hmm. and just people who are able to teach everybody listening, and myself and John, a little bit about their story, about uh, what's led them to be successful, maybe some of their pitfalls, and just to try to help uh, uh, have a podcast about entrepreneurs and special people. So we appreciate everybody that uh, likes us, views us every week. We have some every week Facebook viewers, every week YouTube viewers. So yep. thank you to you people. Um, for those of you who listen to us, thank you as well. And um, we hope to have uh, 70 more within the next year and a half and have a bunch of really cool guests on, like our two guests that we're gonna have on today. Indeed, well said. So that's my shout out, since you always have better shout outs than me. I'm gonna let you go ahead and do a shout out and then we'll start I... the show. <laughs> So my shout out, I made mention I was out of town. I was out in Arizona. Uh, some very good friends of Maggie and I live out there. We spend some time with them. But then also, you've heard me in the past talk about my nieces, my pseudo nieces. Uh, they're going to school at ASU. And one of them has graduated. Uh, she went to Western Michigan and then went out there to continue her education. Anywho, uh, we were out there with them in Tempe for a couple of days. And it's just cool to see these these girls become women and so well educated and just the friends they have and they work naturally while they're going to school and we're able to go and see them in action as far as their work and it was just fun to see them that they're much younger than Maggie or I were I than Maggie but uh, just a, we have a good friendship with them and it's also it's just nice to see them blossom as adults and my shout outs to them it's they're very good, nice of them kids. to hang out with their old uncle john hey their old uncle john is <laughs> a number one on the vegas trip every time one of them turns 21 yeah my friends mark and ruth who parented these wonderful ladies also decided to have a number of years down the road another one who is now 13 i believe today is her birthday her name is kara so that means eight years down the road from now when I'm going to be doing the, the whole thing with the walker, I'll be up and down the Vegas Strip. Well, luck, luckily for you, Vegas has a lot of things for people your age in eight years to do. I agree. I agree. They, they take into account that people of a certain age go out to enjoy the festivities. No, you're fine. And they I'm... also they have you know some lower blackjack tables and bars <laughs> for people that are vertically challenged such like as me? you. There exactly. you go. So see, now nobody can everybody. see that on air, John. Way to, way to throw me out there like that. <laughs> you know what? I'll lighten up when you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you are, you are a very young 70-year-old guy. So I appreciate that. Kidding, I will buddy. be that down the road a bit. But at some point in time, 
if all goes according to plan, you will be the age that I am right now. Yeah, yeah. However, things would have to be terribly wrong for me to be the height that you are right that now. That is entirely true. So Touche. You're going to catch up to me, but uh, you'll always look up to me. Well, <laughs> shout out to your nieces, and I'm, I'm glad to hear the trip it went fun. fun and it was a good time. It really was. It was indeed. So I'm going to jump into our show because I think we're going to cruise through the hour pretty fast. And I concur. Our first guest is Chris Bowles. He's a senior manager for fundraising development at the American Cancer Society. For those of you who have never heard of the American Cancer Society, you should probably turn on a television, a computer, or something of that nature, and you'll probably hear about the American Cancer Society. Chris, thank you for coming on. Thank you very very much for having us. For those people who may live under a rock, I'm going to let you explain what the American Cancer Society is and then how you actually got involved with them. Sure. So the American Cancer Society is the leading organization in the fight against cancer. We are the largest funder of cancer research, as well as supporting many patient programs and services all across the country, as well as we also have partnerships with other international organizations to identify challenges or obstacles um, for patients diagnosed with cancer in other countries. So the only other organization that uh, supports more cancer research than the American Cancer Society is the federal government. So what I focus on mostly within our wonderful city of Chicago is working on our endurance fundraising program. So we partner with races all over the world, and we have a very, very large team. It's actually how our entire program got started coming up this weekend with the Bank of America Chicago Marathon. So back in 1996, we had one person who uh, wanted to run the Chicago Marathon while raising money in honor of one of his friends who had been diagnosed with cancer. And fast forward to now, 2019, we have almost 660 runners that will be running on Sunday. And they have just passed over $1.3 million raised just by those 660 individuals wow. who are coming to us from almost every state in the, country, in the country as well as several other international participants. So no matter what their background is, where they might be traveling in from, they all have a shared passion for supporting the American Cancer Society. We all know somebody that has been diagnosed or may have passed away from cancer. So it's something that brings us all together for a shared common vision and purpose on Sunday morning. Well, Congratulations to those uh, 600 some odd people for raising that much money. That is not an easy number to reach. That is, and my math stinks, but if you want to divide that out, that's a lot of money raised per person. Yeah. So that's incredible. How did you get started in the charity? So I was a fundraising participant for another cancer organization back in 2005. I wanted to do a triathlon. So I, my brother had done a half marathon with an organization, part of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, also known as Team in Training. He did a uh, half marathon for them. And I wanted to do my first triathlon, so I went to a meeting, and they had two different options. One was the Maui uh, Kings Trail Triathlon in Maui or the Indianapolis Triathlon. (laughs) And it was a very short decision to say, okay, I think I'll go to Maui. And so I signed up for that race, ended up raising about $5,000 for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and that was back in 2005. And then a couple years later, I just finished up grad school. I was doing some uh, contract work and went out for a run and ran into an old volunteer from team and training who asked what I was doing. And I said, oh, I've just finished grad school, trying to figure some things out. And they said, oh, well, you know, with your background, sales marketing, you would be a really awesome fit with uh, team and training. So I'd never thought about it, went home, went on the website, started looking at some positions and applied and 
went to work for them for about a year down in Southeast Virginia. I loved the work. I was not a fan of where I was living, though. It was a little too far away from home. So I came back to Chicago, and luckily enough, soon after that, the American Cancer Society was bringing on some more staff to help grow their uh, endurance fundraising program, similarly to how team and training was, was being operated. So I joined them back in February of 2011, so it'll be almost nine years. But I was a participant who fundraised myself, and just found a lot of joy in watching people accomplish things that they never thought that they would be able to do, watching people raise money um, that they never thought they would be able to raise, and watching them just combine their joy for something healthy, working towards a goal, having to put in a lot of time and energy. We have people who are training for four to five months, some even longer than that for, for these for those events. And it's just very rewarding to see them accomplish that on, on race day and to be able to celebrate them with them is a huge honor. Well, congratulations on eight years and thank you for everything you do because it, it sounds like it went from a passion to a job and, I, and we love hearing that on the show and we've seen that happen a lot where somebody becomes successful in what they're doing but it started off almost in a, hey, I was passionate about, it sounds like endurance racing. And that led to your career, which is really neat, makes it a little bit easier to work every day when you're excited about what you're doing. How does somebody, so the race obviously in Chicago at least is next week. So if somebody is not signed up and not training, it's not happening next yeah. week. How does somebody like me or somebody listening get involved with running for the charity or doing, and I'm presuming you guys do triathlons as well. So people can actually do a variety of different races. Okay. Um, we have organized teams for certain events like the Chicago Marathon, like the New York City Marathon, Berlin, London, Pittsburgh Marathon. There's a full list. If you go to cancer.org slash determination, you can see dozens of races all across the country where you can run that, that race on behalf of the American Cancer Society. So one is just the first step is picking out which race do you want to run. And then we provide lots of different tools and support, whether it's on the fundraising side to help you come up with a good fundraising strategy of how to reach your goal. We have a really cool Facebook integration technology now where people can utilize Facebook, excuse me, to, to raise their funds and Facebook promotes it heavily. So it's awesome. You basically have your own fundraising promoter out there on social media, but then we have some super creative people. Meg, I'm sure can tell you more about her kids later on about what they did to help her raise I think the first year she ran for us, she raised about $35,000, $36,000 the first year she ran for us. And so, I'm guessing, it's is it higher now? Well, I'm close. I'll Maybe let her go over yet. her fundraising totals. Um, but we provide lots of tools on the fundraising side. It's something that we want to make the fundraising as easy as possible. And if you, there's two different ways to look at the fundraising. If you join a charity team and you feel like you have to raise the funds, it's going to be hard. But right. if you join a charity team and you say, I want to raise $2,000 for that organization, it is so much easier. It's yes. just about shifting the perspective and saying, this is something I want to do, as opposed to saying, I have to do this in order to run the race. And then using the fundraising really as a way to keep yourself motivated. We were talking before we went live about you know the struggles of getting up early in the morning to work sure. out. And when you're doing it just for yourself, it's super easy to get home and say, you know what, I don't feel like going for the run. I don't feel like going and doing my training. But then when you're at home and you get an email notification that John has just donated to your fundraising campaign, now you're like, well, crap, now I got to do it. hundred percent. Know? Yeah. So it just, it helps keep you, keeps you motivated. As you know, from your experience with uh, the Alcatraz triathlon, autism speaks. So it's just a great way to stay motivated and to be doing it as part of a greater organization, as opposed to just doing it for yourself. I agree a hundred percent. When I, when I did the triathlon, there was times where I 
didn't feel well. I was like, I, I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, quite frankly, it was the first thing I've ever done in my life. And those people that know me, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie where I was terrified of it. I said, I, I really don't want to do this. But every time we, A, we raised the most money. But even then, every time I looked at my fundraising page, I said, wow, these people are really putting a lot of money in this. And then I looked at the charity and how much effort they were putting towards sending us emails, do this, do that. And then obviously just knowing that what we're doing is going to go to help people who really need it. I said, there's no way I'm going to not show up and do it. If I fail at it, I'm going to try at least. If I'm yeah. embarrassed, I will take that, but I'm going to have to try to do it. And I agree with you. It, it really, the big picture for me was so much more important when I said, you know what, we want to raise this amount, but we want to raise as much as we can. Forget the amount that is set there for us that they suggest we raise, but let's see how much we can raise for the cause. And then we're going to go out and try to do our best to actually finish it. So the motivation yeah. level was definitely way higher. Well, and what I also enjoy is every year I hear from our participants that they got a donation from somebody that they haven't talked to in years, maybe yeah. even decades, and that they had no idea that they that, that person had just lost a very close family member to cancer. Um, I've, I've, it happens to me every single year, and one of my friends, Matt, on Facebook, like, we haven't talked in probably 15 years. I got a donation from him, and I said, hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate you you know, with, with the support. And he said, oh, I've seen you've been doing it for the past couple of years. I've always meant to. It's just this was the year that it finally caught my eye and, and was able to, to throw it in. So um, I think what's also been great over the past couple of years, and especially watching Meg and what, what she's done with um, some of the new races that she's taken on, is seeing how the entire endurance community has evolved. And I remember the first triathlon that I did, I hated running. I despise it. I loved swimming and I loved biking. And when I did my first half Ironman shortly after the, the Hawaii triathlon, I avoided training for the run. And I went to doing all of my bike training, was doing all my swim training. My brother had run the Chicago Marathon a couple of times, was a very established runner. And I was living with him at the time. And he told me that he was concerned about my ability to do a half Ironman because there's a half marathon at the finish. And I'd never done a half marathon before. So he said, I don't see you running. What are you going to do for that? And I honestly believed, and I told him this, that I wasn't concerned about the run for the half Ironman because I was going to be so tired that by the time I got to the run, I wasn't going to have any energy anyway. So I was better off spending all of my training on the bike and the swim. And he looked at me and said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So and I looked at him <laughs> and I said, okay, fine, I'll start training for the run. And I went out and I didn't like running for a while, but I started out and, you know, doing a, you know, 10K, then and that ended up doing my first marathon back in 2011. I didn't really enjoy it and or 2010. And then it took a couple of years before I decided I wanted to do another one. And then I said, okay, I can get better at this. And then I did a, a few more. And then this past year I did a couple of marathons and said, I want to do something that scares me. I want to do some ultras. And I did two ultra marathons and it was definitely checked the boxes of doing something that made me uncomfortable, sure. but there's always something more that you can be doing within the endurance community. And I love hearing somebody says never again, or this is this, I'll never do anything longer than this. Wait, what's going on over there? How much do I have yeah. to pay? What do I have to do? Okay. Here's my credit card. I'm signed up. So what's an ultra? So an ultra is any race uh, that is longer than a marathon. Okay. And I, I was just like you. I said, I know how to run. I'm terrified of the swim and I haven't biked much. So that's all I did. And funny enough, the run was the worst part for me. I said, I can, I can run. If I finish the swim and the bike and I'm in decent shape, 
I'll finish the run. And I was dying throughout the run. I really misjudged that completely. Yeah, it it took a couple of times. I'm somebody who I learn through action. And so I I oftentimes have to to fail. I have to stumble and then to realize, okay, I got to do that a little bit differently. And I realized that I loved cycling, but I always enjoyed cycling on a very uh, high, uh, very tough gear. And so I was burning through my quads and my quads kept locking up because I didn't realize I should be biking in an easier gear to keep your legs spinning faster to save up your legs. So it took me a while to realize that trick that I had to kind of stop being a masher and be more of a spinner uh, just to save up my legs for the run. Uh, but if you cool. you burn through your quad muscles by going into the heavier gears, you don't leave yourself with a lot of muscles left to use in your quads when you get to the run. Absolutely. And going back to the American Cancer Society, I think you hit the nail on the head. Almost everybody you speak to has had either somebody very close to them or a friend or somebody affected by cancer. I lost my grandma to cancer five years ago. And and I, I, I say I lost her five years ago, but she got cancer probably five, six years prior to that. And it was the incredible um, advances we've made in medicine due to th- people donating and the research that I think gave her the extra five years. She had a cancer that gave her a 5% chance of living the first time. And the incredible doctors at Rush, you know, put cancer in remission and she lived another great five years. And I always say this, you know, any charity, virtually any charity is worth donating to. But when you look at cancers like the American or charities like the American Cancer Society, their advancements are they're almost like exponential. Like I, I, my father's a physician and I talk to, to him about this all the time and I say, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years, how advanced are we getting? And he, he says all the time, the last couple years, our advancements beat the last 15, 20 years. So it makes a, um, a big impact when folks like you and folks like Meg are spending their time, effort, and energy to raise as much money as you guys do. This over $1 million mark that you guys have already raised is unbelievable because it actually goes to a cause that affects anybody in any room, at least on some level. If they're not affected by cancer, somebody they know at some point has had it. Yeah, and, and I just want to add on, I everybody knows the impact that research can have um, on a patient's journey, but what often gets what people don't know is the side effects or the side um, challenges and obstacles that come with a with a diagnosis. And one of the programs that we're really pushing heavily in the city of Chicago, and so for those of you who are at home, and if you have a somewhat of a flexible schedule during the week, we have an amazing volunteer program called Road to Recovery. Transportation is one of the biggest obstacles that patients face when they are diagnosed with cancer. Uh, whether or not they have the ability to get to and from their treatment, whether or not they have a place to stay when they are getting their treatment. And so Road to Recovery is essentially like becoming an Uber or a Lyft driver for cancer patients. Most treatments take place during the week, so Monday through Friday. You can sign up and be very specific about where you are, when and where you are free to, to take somebody or pick them up from the hospital, take them to the hospital. But it, if you're looking for a way to get involved as a volunteer with the American Cancer Society, you want to actually build that connection Road to recovery is an amazing opportunity for you. And it's, it's, there's no minimum number of rides that you have to do. So it's very much based off of your schedule and what, what sure. it permits. But that is one of the things that we have tackled in Chicago as being a big obstacle for a lot of the patients that we are trying to serve. And we don't have enough drivers right now um, to fill all of the requests that we get. So when somebody gets diagnosed with cancer, they can call you know 800-227-2345, um, or they can go to cancer.org. And there's a live chat option available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
that you can start there and figure out what support do you need and where can the American Cancer Society come in to help. And Road to Recovery is just one of the many options that might be available where they may say, okay, well, you know, if you need a ride to get to and from treatment because maybe you don't have friends or family that can take you there, we can try to help you set up with a ride. Or at least they may have some travel vouchers within the city of Chicago um, for the public transit options that are available. We're lucky in Chicago that we have these amazing hospitals and institutions um, for, for that are all very close by for people. But we have a lot of people that are coming to these amazing institutions from central or southern Illinois and it's not like they can drive back and forth every single time. So sure. then you have to factor in hotels. Where are they going to stay? And that can rack up quickly to like $1,000 a week. Right. So in many other cities, we have places like Hope Lodges, or we may have discounted hotel partnerships where you can get a discounted hotel room um, booked you know, through our by calling the 800 number or going to our website. Um, they can provide lots of different information and services to, to patients and their families. What a fantastic way to get involved if you're not, I mean, I'm sure there's, and correct me if I'm wrong and add to what I'm saying here if uh, if there's a bunch of different ways, but what a fantastic way to get involved if you're not doing the endurance side of things and trying to raise money. I mean, just giving money, I think, is probably a different, completely different way. If you don't have the ability to give rides, if you don't have the ability to give housing, and you just are not going to be able to do endurance races, uh, donate. We're going to have a link up uh, in a little bit here where you can donate to the charity itself or support a runner. Is there another site somebody can go on to to just donate if they want to donate to the society? Yeah, they can actually do that as well at cancer.org or, okay. th or through the phone number. So you can call or go Fantastic. to that website that is the gateway whenever if you are ever talking with somebody and they say you know uh, somebody in my family or one of my friends was just diagnosed one of the best things you can do is give them that phone number give them that website um, one of the things that a lot of patients or family members will do is they go home and they google the diagnosis right. and everybody's cancer diagnosis and journey is separate and unique and so it's unfortunate when they get flooded with a lot of information that is not necessarily applicable to their situation. So by having the chance to speak with one of our professionals over the phone or on live chat, and again, that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there is somebody there to talk to and to be able to talk them through all the different um, things that they need to know and you know things that they need to ask, whether it's questions about insurance or, you know, we don't provide any financial assistance to patients, but we know a lot of different places to go to get some of those uh, to get some of that assistance. We have patient navigators in quite a few hospitals where we are trying to serve more patients in the underserved communities that if they are looking for more financial aid, they can say, oh, there might be some available funds here if you can apply for these different grants or whatnot. So what you guys are doing is incredible because it's just it's it's not just for the patient, but it's helping everybody who is either a family member or a caretaker for that patient figure out how to navigate the process because I, and I know this from again, experience when we had it happen in our family, my mom was just like, what, what do I do now? I, I will listen to the doctors obviously, but what are the next steps and what is the next year, two years, three years look like? And most people don't have that answer. And yeah, a lot of people turn to Google, but yeah. you can just go to the source and cancer.org or give a call. So I'm glad yeah. we touched on that. John, hey, Chris, real fast, could you please uh, give us that 800 number? Sure, it's 1-800-227-2345. It's 1-800-ACS-2345. Awesome. Very good. Thank you. I'm going to bring Meg in really quick because I think this will be an interesting roundtable when we start talking about what both of you have done when it comes to the endurance community and then kind of come back to the American Cancer Society. Uh, Meg Pond, I'm going to try not to butcher your last name, but I kind of heard... You say it earlier, so Luthen? Louthen. Louthen. Okay, I did butcher it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on. <laughs> yes, thank you. 
So tell us how you got involved with the American Cancer Society and just tell me about everything you're doing this year to run the marathon. Sure. So I got involved with American Cancer Society back in 2012. Um, my mom had been diagnosed with a breast metastasis to the liver, which is not a good diagnosis. Yeah. Nobody wants that. They, it's not curative. It, they can only kind of hold it off. So um, I got a call from my aunt who was like, well, your dad's not going to tell you this because he wants to downplay it. But, you know, your mom just got back from Denver. She's not doing well. She's in the hospital. So I actually went down there and I was like, all right, what's going on? They did like one little scan. They ordered all these tests. They did one of their tests and they were like, whoa, cancer's everywhere. We kind of knew she was going to die and it was going to be pretty quick. And I was already signed up to run the Chicago Marathon that year. Um, and so I went back to my parents' house and just was like, okay, I am going to run this marathon for charity. And um, started to Google, like look at the charities that the Chicago Marathon had. And it was really important to me, so we talked a lot about research earlier, it was really important to me because my mom actually like 20 years before that had um, survived a breast cancer bout because of participating in a clinical trial really, like she had one of the first bone marrow transplants where you self-transplant. It's a horrible procedure, most people died from it, it was super experimental, you only got it if you were like, ooh, last chance, you're gonna die no matter what, so we'll try this on you. And it actually worked on her. So she ended up living like 25 more years after that, but because of that experience, I was like, I really, really wanna run for a charity that don't puts money into cancer research and funding. So I signed up that night and, um, she ended up dying, I think, a week and a half later. But during Sorry. that week and a half, thank you, um, during that week and a half, like I got home and I get this, I have this note in the mail from Chris Bowles, who I have never met before. And it's like, welcome to the determination team. And it's probably like a handwritten note that he would write to everybody. But like, I already had raised, I think like 10 grand at that point. Like this money just came flooding in. Of course. Uh, my parents' friends were super generous and like, I just got really passionate about it. And so, um, I was like, wow, 10 grand. And this, this person who also is um, in the endurance fundraising arena, Rusty Funk, who works to call out for Team World Vision, a great charity also, um, he donated to, I did not know him either, but he happened to get it through my husband's page or whatever and donated $26.20. And then I sent him a thank you email and he replied back, wow, you are killing it on the fundraising. You should really try to raise a lot of money. And I'm like, well, I already, like, look, it's already $10,000. This is a lot of money. And he's like $26,200. And I was like, what? There's no way. That number seems so huge to me. And then it just, like, you know, like, worked on me. And I was like, hmm, like, how could I raise $26,200? Like, is that possible? Could I do that? And then I was like, yeah, I decided I would. And that year I did a fundraising relay where I actually talked 26 friends into getting 26 of their friends to raise $26 or to donate $26. So that group of people didn't quite hit their whole 26 times 26, but they came close. It was like $12,000 from wow. total strangers. And you know, now in 2019, I still have people off that original, like they did not know me, they donated $26 through a friend that was mutual and they'll send me 200 bucks. They'll be like, they'll donate regularly, like kindness of strangers, don't even know me, never met them. But I just got really passionate about it and I've kept doing it and I'm like, I'll keep doing it as long as this generous community of people I know donate to me, I will keep doing it. Well, I think, and I can obviously tell your passion and it's from a very uh, personal story to you. 
I'm glad they continue to donate to yes. you. And it probably sounds like they have gathered that you're incredibly passionate about what yes. you do. And what a brilliant idea to get 26 people to donate $26 through their friends yes. each. That whole that whole idea of how exponential that can become yeah. is incredible. And I, you know, I've raised money for either events I've been a part of or things I've done before. And I never thought to task the people close to you to go grab yeah. people close to them. And these people were it. scared. Like the, I had people. So I had this one person who was on my fundraise. I called it a fundraising relay. And there was this person on my fundraising Brilliant. relay who I'm friends with on Facebook. I went to summer camp with her. The last year I went to summer camp, I was in seventh grade. I'm now old, okay? So this is a long time ago. I've not seen her since I was 13 or whatever. She says, oh, I will, I was posting on Facebook. I'm looking for 26 people. I need this many more. And she said, I will try it. And she struggled to get started. And I was like, you know, lastly, you just need to make it personal. Like, you know, if you have any connection to cancer, just make it personal. And she had had this friend in college who died of um, brain cancer. And so she, you know, sent out an email talking about this friend of hers and how it impacted her when she died. And like this money came flooding in. So that person who was struggling in the beginning, you know, found a way to tell her story almost and just ignite people to say, oh, you know, yeah, I want to donate to you. I'll, I'll donate to this. And she ended up raising like 2,500 bucks. So way more than the 26 times 26, you know, it was way more than that. But I didn't. I haven't talked to her in thirty years, you know. Yeah. And like this person's helping me fundraise. So it's fantastic. There's some really cool stories like that where you just like you know high school people. Like I graduated from high school in 1986, and I have somebody who um, donates a thousand dollars every year, and I haven't spoken to him since 1986. Well, that's amazing, and thank you to those people who continue yes. to donate to you because yes. I'm sure you're a very motivated person to start. <laughs> And you're very passionate about what you do. But like we said earlier, I'm sure that level of consistent belief in you and uh, level of support in you drives you to continue to do these events because it's not easy. It's easier for maybe the two of you to run 26 miles now <laughs> because you're uh, experienced in running longer distances. But it's not easy to wake up every morning. We spoke off air. Yeah. You wake up um, you know, very, very early in the morning to go for runs and you have a family and we'll talk about what they did in a second yeah. to raise some more money. But it's not easy to get up in the morning, even if you have a great cause, and do that year after year after year. Yeah. So I'm guessing that the support everybody gives you has really driven you to. It, yeah, continue. it really does. I mean, it is a community, and I always say, like, when my mom died, I could have gone down into a very black hole of grief. And I feel like getting involved in American Cancer Society is the reason I did not. You know, like to do something. It's not like you're 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 not curing cancer and yet you are doing something constructive Absolutely. in order to say, you know what, hopefully one day this thing that, you know, me losing my mom, that won't happen to somebody else yeah. because of something that was done by American Cancer Society. Or if they do get a diagnosis that they're accessing services from American Cancer right. Society that let them get a wig or get a ride to treatment or talk to somebody on the phone when they're like, what is this all about? My doctor's talking to me about this, this, and this. I don't know what that means. Can you explain it to me? So 
I mean, I'm super passionate about all the services ACS does. The research thing was very important to me, and yet I realize it is this collective support of cancer patients and caregivers that is a really, really great thing that makes it amazing to just get up and run. When I put my ACS singlet on with my ribbons hanging off the back, I am like, yes, this is my best day of the year. You're excited. Yes. And I think both of you have done a really good job of explaining that it's not just research. I mean, that's very, very important, but... You know, the cure to cancer could be a year away, it could yeah. be 10 years away, it could be 50 years right. away. But what the American Cancer Society does for people today is uh, on a very large scale. And I think sometimes people forget that running a charity, especially one that is reaching not just national but in internationally now, um, it's a big undertaking. You know, staff that's there 24 hours a day to pick up the phone and speak to you when something is wrong or speak to a family member. Um, you know, folks like both of you who are uh, spending a lot of your time and effort uh, helping fundraise, going to different events, that's a big undertaking. So it takes that community to continue yeah. to be passionate, to be able to keep um, a charity of this size going. Mm -hmm. So thank you for what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's interesting because that's almost how John and I met. Um, I'm a diehard Cubs fan. And so I, you know, was, we've just started kind of working with the Cubs last year and doing a ticket night where we buy tickets and our, um, we actually allow our participants to use that as a fundraising incentive. So if people are struggling to get donations, well, you can sell tickets to this Cubs game and you'll get $15 for every ticket that you sell. And through the conversations and other connections that I've had with the Cubs, I went to a conference uh, we actually had like the Running USA conference in Puerto Rico, and I went down there, and again, being a big Cubs fan, Javi Baez just happened to be getting married there at the same time, and I came back, and I was thinking, gosh, you know, like, Javi Baez, it would be great to get him to do something with the American Cancer Society, and then knowing how passionate he was about Puerto Rico, we have a Hope Lodge in Puerto Rico. And so a place to stay for patients and their family, and I believe they have a lot of children that are staying there for treatment. And so knowing all the damage that came through from the, you know, from the storms, that, um, from the hurricanes that have been through, that I reached out to the Cubs and said, hey, there's an opportunity we have here. I'd like to do a fundraiser that benefits the American Cancer Society Hope Lodge in Puerto Rico. It would really go a long way if we could get Javi Baez you know, to be a part of it. And they actually jumped in on it. They're like, this is great. He loves supporting, you know, uh, charity, uh, charitable efforts that benefit Puerto Rico. And we were hoping to do like a photo meet and greet. And it came down to the week before the event, the Cubs decided to spend their off day in New York. But it was, you know, that's a lot of what our staff is doing. Like, how can we find unique ways to partner with influencers, with different organizations to further our mission and our cause? And a quick shout out, because I can, I've completely forgot about this, but a po the post went the other day. We actually just had two more Nobel Prize winning laureates um, that were uh, two of the three recipients um, that was announced on Monday of this week. And so I think we're now up to um, almost up to 50 of the uh, researchers, the American Cancer Society funded researchers have gone on to win the Nobel uh, Prize. Wow, incredible. Yeah. That is. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, and so you met John through the Cubs? I'm so I was doing a fundraiser at Brickhouse Tavern, and okay. um, we got some uh, auction items from Javi Baez and from the Cubs, and I was going around you know, taking donations for raffle tickets and such, and that's where he said, you know, tell me more about what you're doing and you know, what is this for with the American Cancer Society. So I gave him my card, and then we were able to talk afterwards and set this up as an opportunity um, to you know, talk more about the Chicago Marathon team and the Chicago Marathon coming up this weekend. So, but it was just random 
interaction. If I hadn't been there at Brick House, you know, going table to table, bothering people during their meal while the Cubs, unfortunately, <laughs> were losing. Um, I have it, season tickets, so it's sad. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I'm a diehard fan, and it was yeah. just something that – it was a pipe dream. I'll be honest, when I went to one of my friends who, is, who works for the Cubs – I, I didn't think there was any chance that it was going to go through. And it's not easy working with um, with professional athletes. Um, not I don't want that to come across in a bad way, but they yeah. have, a, especially schedule. baseball players, they have a very full schedule. Right. So trying to pick the, the day that would he would most likely be able to Ooh. attend. and But I was just very appreciative of how much the Cubs were saying, yes, this is something that he would get behind, and he's in. We just need to make sure that it works up with the Cubs' schedule, and it wasn't until – the week before the event that he said, look, we'll be able to get some auction items for you, but he's not going to be able to attend in person for any sort of photos and such just because of that. Well, I'm glad but, the Cubs got behind that. It's yeah. an incredible cause. Yeah, no, I, it was great. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we're going to see what more we can do in the future. Now that, now that I've learned through that process, other things that I would try to do differently, you know, sure. if we're able to try to do something uh, different next year. Now, question for either one of you. If somebody wants to get involved, at least in Chicago, because we have a lot of Chicago viewers and listeners, in the marathon in 2020, because mm -hmm. I know sometimes, not just with training, you have to plan ahead. Most people, if they haven't done it before, um, may have to train for a good part of a year, but the marathon fills up fast. How does somebody get involved with uh, the American Cancer, American Cancer Society and the Chicago Marathon? So the way that it works is on October 21st, the drawing period for the 2020 Chicago Marathon window will open, and it'll, it will run through Tuesday, December 3rd. So beginning October 21st through December 3rd, anybody can throw their hat into the ring to be selected to run the 2020 Chicago Marathon. During that window, you can also bypass the whole drawing period and say that you're going to run for one of the charities that are involved. The charities have a, we can offer a lower minimum, a discounted minimum, if you join before the drawing period closes. So somebody can join us and commit to raising $1,250. If we go back to the current team size we have right now, 660 athletes, more than $1.3 million raised, that's an average of about $2,000 per person that's being raised. So for somebody to commit to raising 1250, our participants are raising, Double you know, yeah, like 50% more than that. Um, and that's because of a lot of the different tools that we have available, plus how passionate our amazing volunteers are. So if you commit to joining a charity team before December 3rd, you can get the lower fundraising minimum. The Chicago Marathon requires all charities to increase that minimum to at least $1,750 after December 3rd. Okay. So there's a $500 lower minimum if you join early. Okay. If, and then if you are selected in the drawing, then great, congratulations. If you still want to support a cause, you probably can do so without having to worry about a fundraising minimum. Um, but if you do not get in through the charity, then charity spots are going to be available through, um, we have until July 31st, but we only have a, a certain quantity. So sure. this year we did not fill all of our spots, but the past the previous two years we did. And so we actually had to start turning away people back in May, um, almost a full month and a half before our deadline, which was, which was great in a good way, but it was unfortunate because we had all these super passionate people that wanted to raise a bunch of money for us. We're like, we're full. We don't have any more spots. And yeah. obviously the marathon can only have so many people right, running the right. course just for permits and such. So that's how the whole pro the charity process works. Um, but you can go, um, 
if you go to cancer.org slash determination, we actually just are finishing up our website for the 2020 team. Um, so if you're waiting until Monday, or if you can email me at christopher.bowles at cancer.org, um, I'm more than happy to send you the link as soon as it's live and ready for you to sign up. But you can email me and we'll share you all the details. If you're a first timer, we provide not only the fundraising tools, but we also provide free training. We work with two wonderful training partners in the Chicagoland area with CARA, Chicago Area Runners Association, and CES, Chicago Endurance Sports. They can help put together a training plan for you and provide you with an amazing community to make new friends and not have to run those long runs by yourself. I think we all know that when you're part of a group, you're more likely to be held accountable. You're going to make some new friends, and the friends you make while running – 15, 18, 19 miles. I think those friendships last longer. I don't know if there's any facts to back or any stats to back <laughs> I that up. I imagine they would. But the people that you suffer through those miles worth I, I, with you, I think you tend to build more of a stronger connection with them. Of course. So. And one thing I, I, I've seen a lot of friends of mine run the marathon, and, and this is going to sound bad, so I'm going to try to rephrase this. I've had friends of mine run the marathon who I would look at them and be like, there's no way these people would run a marathon. And they're friends of mine. But they trained smart, and it made me understand that just about anybody who takes training seriously, takes their health seriously, and and everybody who did it who I didn't think would be able to run the marathon had incredible health benefits from it. They lost so much weight. They became more motivated in general. And then most of them, after they got done running, kept the weight off, they kept healthier, and they became more passionate about endurance sports or just fitness in general. So, um, and I'm, you both are very good endurance athletes. You guys are very experienced. Uh, what would you say to somebody who is thinking, well, I'd love to run an event, but a marathon is just way too long for me to run. And I, Meg, if you want to take this one. <laughs> you go I'll, first and then yeah. I'll jump in afterwards. Um, yeah, I think I will literally say anybody can run a marathon. There's, there's not a single person out there. So you start running. Um, sign up for something, get into a training plan. As long as you follow most of that training plan, you follow the process and the plan works. You know, So you look at Kara, you look at CES, those plans are pretty similar. They're geared to get you to that starting line healthy and ready to run. And it's amazing how if you follow the plan, you will be ready. And Even if the person it. has never run more than a mile or two? I mean, it's good if you have a little bit of a base, but you know what I mean? You don't have to be like, oh, hey, I can already run 13 miles. If you can run five miles and you start that training plan, you're going to probably be fine. So pretty much anyone can. And all I would say is that there's a whole bunch of excitement, especially with first, you know, first timers when they sign up for the marathon, that they want to go out and train and, and, you know, start like run the marathon the next day. Don't do that. That's the only other time that I was signed up for the Chicago Marathon. That's what I did. I signed up and I went out for a run and it was a beautiful day. And I said, oh, screw it. I'm not going to go five. I'm going to go nine, nine or 10 miles. And then I did and I came back and felt great. But sure enough, I did, I did too much too soon. My body wasn't ready for it. And I had IT band issues and I had to shut it down right away. Follow so, the plan, Chris. Yes, the there plan. was no plan. <laughs> there was no plan back then. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, start small and realize that marathon training typically begins the weekend after Memorial Day. Okay. So if you are comfortable running a 10K by the, the start of marathon training, 
Kara and CES can get you the rest of the way. Okay. I've talked with their coaches and I've asked, and most people don't realize it. They don't realize that you just have to be comfortable running uh, a 10K at that point in time. So for example, we've got the hot chocolate 5K and 15K coming up. And I've been at that expo and I've talked with people about running for our team. And so many of them say, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm not ready, you know, to run the marathon yet. I, I can't run that far. Well, nobody runs a marathon until they run a marathon. Right. But they're running the 15K, which is nine and a half miles. So it's a 5K longer than what they would need to be able to run in June and it's you know November, so right. it's like you have plenty of time to get yourself ready for it. So, um, Chicago has is one of the most beginner friendly marathons out there. I believe that there are more first time finishers at the Chicago Marathon than any other marathon um, in the world. Incredible. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping fact. I did not make that up, but I know I've heard it from somewhere. It might have been on Wikipedia. I don't quite know. Nobody listening is about <laughs> to fact check you, so we're gonna yes. we're gonna take it as a fact. Meg, so tell me about um, some of your other running experiences because we uh, before <laughs> before we came live on air, you were telling us about a uh, pretty incredible story <laughs> and a pretty incredible marathon. Um, okay, so not a marathon; it is an ultra, and a run. yes, it is a run. It's called the Barkley Fall Classic, and it's based off of a, a race called the Barkley Marathons. The Barkley Marathons is um, a race designed by a guy named Lazarus Lake. It's based off of, uh, there's a prison in this state park called um, Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. And way back, I don't know how long ago, but many decades, some guy escaped from there. And he was loose in the woods in this park for 54 hours before they captured him. So the, the gentleman who started the race, Lazarus Lake, was sitting around like, hmm, I wonder how far James Earl Ray ran during those 54 hours, like how far did he go? And he came up with this idea of like, let's unleash people to run in the state park for roughly 54 hours. So he came up with the Barkley Marathons. It's five loops, a marathon distance for each loop. And you have 12 hours to finish the loop. If you're not done, you know, you're out. In the history of the race, only 16 or 17 people have finished it. So in the race is completely insane. If you want to watch the documentary, you'll just be like jaw dropping on the ground. It's really, really fun to watch. But I did the, the mini Barkley, which is the Barkley Fall Classic. It's 50K, but it's really more like somewhere between 35 and 40 miles. Um, a lot of the race is on trails. Some of it is through not trails on these very steep ascents. The whole course is... Um, has roughly like 14,000 feet of elevation gain. Yikes. Um, and so 14,000 feet of elevation loss essentially as well. So it's a, it's a pretty strenuous race in terms of um, climbing and just duration. So most 50Ks, I've done several other ones where I finished in the five hour range. This race took me 11 hours and 20, or 47 minutes, sorry. Wow. You have a cutoff wow. of 1320. So they consider like if you get in under 1320, you're finished. So this is way harder than most 50Ks. It's just a, it's a, you know kind of an insanity thing, but the community that's out there, it's like, don't stop moving, nobody stop moving. And everyone's out there just cheering you on. Like all the participants are helping each other. You know, it's, it's just a really, really cool experience. So I don't like that they call that a mini. There's nothing mini. There's not, <laughs> it's not, not very a damn mini. thing yeah, yeah, yeah. mini about that. Yes. No. Yes. That's like the extra. But 50 compared K, to the compared to the compared to the five loops of twelve hours, I did one loop. So I was reading something the other day from one of the finishers of the Big Barkley, one of those seventeen people, and he did the Barkley Fall Classic this year, and he wrote a race report, and he said. 
if you can do one loop at the Barclay Fall Classic, you could complete one loop at the Barclay Marathon. Like there's navigational issues and like you need a compass to get through the regular Barclay course and all that. But um, anyway, it was very encouraging. I'm not planning to do the Barclay Marathons and you need to be specially invited by Laslake and that will never happen. But it, it's just a crazy, insane thing. Well, it's like what I said with Alcatraz, the prisoner that was escaping <laughs> had a whole lot more motivation, yes. I think, than I did to just keep on moving. Yeah. So I would imagine the guy who was in there for 54 hours had yeah. quite a bit of motivation to yes. just run around. Yes. And I would venture to guess he hid for a good part of that 54 <laughs> hours and wasn't moving. He was but not that's moving just an educated, yes. educated guess that he was probably hiding for about half right. of it. But right. it's, what you're doing is incredible because it's not just for great causes, but it's such a uh, mind over matter yeah. thing. I think that with anything that's fitness related and even life or work related, I think at a certain threshold, the average person says, I don't think I can do this or I don't think I can go any further. Yeah. And you're having to push your mind and your motivation and your heart way past that yes. to actually be able to finish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's definitely a huge mental management aspect of the marathon distance. I mean, even of shorter distances, but especially of something like Barkley where um, I was actually at doing an aid station, volunteering at an aid station at a hundred miler one year and some runners came through and there was this woman who was not really doing too well. And she was kind of like, I'm quitting, I'm quitting right now. I am done. I'm not going any farther. And the guy who was on her crew said to her, okay, you're, when you feel like quitting, which is right now, just run one more minute. And so he was telling her like, I know you think you can't do anymore, but now just go one more minute, you know, where you're just breaking it down into whatever amount of thing you can manage in your head and keep going for that much time. Well, congratulations. I mean, it is, uh, I think of 26.2 miles as an incredibly long distance and a very big feat to overcome, to do the things that you, both of you are doing, um, going 50 milers, 50 Ks, that, that's unbelievable. I want to hear what your daughters did to raise oh, some money okay, this year. Sons, because I, your sons. sons. Yeah. Okay, sons. Um, so I've got two. They're now 20, and they're in college. Um, very entrepreneurial in spirit. So okay. when I started running for American Cancer Society in 2012, the, my kids were 11. Okay. Okay, and so they uh, started in on lemonade stand but their lemonade stand wasn't your typical lemonade stand chris happened to walk by at one time and they, it was on addison they, it was right out in front right, of the cubs game. game yeah we we're doing it in cubs game. he yeah, happened to walk by with his dog so we would set up this thing we have this big production big signs big tables you know a motorized cash box so when you buy your lemonade your dollar bill is going to go into this cardboard box like a shoe box and be sucked in and like the kids who would come by would put the money in and then they want to buy another thing because they want to put more money in. So we would sell cupcakes, lemonade. We got, we bought an ice shaver. We would make um, snow cones. And then they had this half day off school. And they, you know, I work from home and I was like, okay, you guys, I have meetings all afternoon. Don't bug me. Find something to do. Entertain yourselves. They're very creative. I come downstairs like three hours later after these three meetings or whatever. And they've created out of cardboard boxes and construction paper and paint. They've made a haunted house. And they're like, can you invite some people over? We have a haunted house here. And I'm like, um, like right now? Yes, right now. Okay, so this thing then grew. They started doing this haunted house and they were like, well, we could do this for American Cancer Society. So our it got bigger over the years. It started with cardboard boxes and construction paper and then turned into like, you know, every weekend, all weekend, you're at Home Depot bringing home four by eight sheets of plywood and two by fours and our entire 
third floor of our house, we live in a townhouse, is constructed into this like professional quality, right? Yes. Professional quality. I can send you the trailers. You can see, you know, whatever. But professional quality haunted house, we would have like, the last year we did it was their senior year in um, high school, which is 2017. They would have a different theme every year. So one year was a haunted hospital. One year was a haunted prison. You know, they did a carnival theme one year. They had a... Um, a campground theme one year. So every year was a little bit different, but major construction, really creative, very detailed. Like their set, my son Graham is now getting into set design. He was high, had a contractor set design for a theater in Chicago. He's doing a set at U of I for the musical Carrie, which involves bloods, which he's used to. Yeah. Um, he constructed a set at the Midnight Terror Professional Haunted House, but it all started in our house with this whole thing. So and cool. they probably have raised through their lemonade stand and through their haunted house of the money that's attributed to me. Um, as Meg's fundraising, like, you know, probably 40,000 of it came from these kids. So Chris always will tell people who are like, $1,250, there's no way I could do that. And he's like, I know 11-year-olds who have raised that much money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that what, is... What would you say is your total, grand total raised for ACS so far? I have kind of lost track, but I feel like I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of 180, wow. plus or minus. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And to your sons, yes. super cool yes. to support mom like that. Yes. But I love hearing the story of how the support turned into a passion that now is what, yes. he's, what he's doing with his life. It's crazy for me to think that the undertaking it would take for somebody their age to literally build a high quality yes. haunted house oh, yeah. in your home. That's yes. so cool. Yes. And it's like this Good whole, you know, come up with a theme, this creative thing. Yeah. Then they're constructing it. So they have, they've built all these construction skills along the years. They set design, detail it, painting, like blood. I mean, it is really cool. What they've done is very impressive for a bunch of kids, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously now they're young adults, but they're, you know, he got hired as a professional set designer, which so is pretty, cool. and he's self-taught. Cool it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And That's then an my other son story. is more in the, like, you know, like stuff in the haunted house had, um, so, you know, you're going to get scared by somebody, but they need to know you're coming so they can scare you at the exact right moment. So they would construct these drop panels where like a window drops down and somebody's like, wow. And you need to know the person's coming. So the other, you know, they're building these mat switches on the floor. So when you step on it, a light's going off behind that door. So the person oh. behind it knows it's there. And Alexander is a lot into this whole wiring and electricity and like getting all the effects rigged up and that kind of stuff. So he's maybe a little bit more than um, behind the scenes doing some of that stuff. Then Graham is more the creative, like up front. Well, I'm yeah. glad they have very differing strengths in doing that. Compliment. But that is, yeah. that's a compliment. But that is a very high level oh, yeah. haunted house. Yes, yes. It is. So they had a reviewer come through this this group. They have people whose job it is to review haunted houses. So you probably wouldn't think that's a job, but that's a job a lot of people have or a side job a lot of people have. So the horror tours came through one year and they reviewed the haunted house and they were like, this is basically the best home haunt we've ever been in in our lives. They got a, a six chainsaw rating out of five. So wow. like hall of fame rating for their for their home haunt. Kyra Mars or oh, Mary? Yeah. Kyra. 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 She said, it is awesome and put a link. <laughs> it, is the haunted house open still? 
No, they're not, in college, so they're, they're college. not. Right. But if you want to see one of Graham's rooms in action, you can go to Midnight Terror in Oak Lawn because he built the barber room. So when you go through that haunted house, it's a professional haunted house. It's open every weekend now through probably the first weekend in November. And one of the rooms is his. He's um, haunting there, but not maybe every day because he is in college. But yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. to them. What a neat story of how your passion for doing this yes. brought them into now a passion for both exactly, of them. Exactly, yeah. And then has gone to benefit the charity itself yeah, because yeah. the amount you've raised over the years you've done it is incredible. A lot of people, you know, I did one race for charity. Uh, people might do one or two or three here, and that's totally fine. But to make this a lifelong effort for you is really an incredible thing. Yeah. I mean, I keep saying, oh, I'm going to, I'll stop when people stop donating. And it still surprises me. Like it's 2019. This is going to be my 10th race running for American Cancer Society. And people still donate to me. I've raised almost $11,000 this year. So people keep, and this is without any help from the kids because they're in college, no haunted house, no lemonade stand. They're too old for that. But um, people keep donating. And I say, I'll keep running until nobody donates. Well, we're going to donate to you. John, did we have a donation link that we could put up? Well, I do know that uh, <laughs> we have the uh, cancer.org, which I believe Chris said yep. is a direct uh, link, uh, website for uh, donations. But then I also know that Meg has her own personal. And in a minute, if you'd like, I'll have you read it out. Okay. Okay. We can uh, also probably get it on Bitly. As far yeah. as I do a shortened URL like that to meet yeah. the character limit. Okay. And I'll okay. put it, if you text it to me, I will when we get off, yeah. I'll put it in the comment section. I'm going to donate right. to it because I'd love to support the fact Excellent. that, that you are great. obviously very passionate donation. about it. Yay. Um, someday I will probably try to run it and <laughs> I'd should. love to run it with I you guys. I will be your mentor. Yeah. If yeah. you sign up for American Cancer Society, I can be your mentor. I have great fundraising tips and I've done, this is going to be, I think, like 18 or 19 for my number of marathons. So... I can help you. Wow. Well, I am, both of you are very motivational in, in general. Just sitting here, you both are very passionate about what you do, but you also are very good at motivating folks. So I think <laughs> your passions, I'm sure, Chris, when you're speaking to people at events, like when you go to the hot chocolate uh, runs, you your passion comes through and you're, you're probably motivating a ton of people to, even if they're not signing up with you, potentially consider doing that or donating. So thank you for that. Before you guys go, we always ask this of every single guest, uh, and maybe I'll go to Chris, you first, and then uh, I'll go to Meg. A piece of advice, it doesn't have to be for entrepreneurs, it can be. Um, it can be for somebody who's trying to get involved with a charity, but a piece of advice for somebody listening who wants to do something business-related or fitness-related at a very high level, something you may have learned. I would say, you know, know that it's gonna be a journey nothing's going to happen overnight. Don't be afraid to put down your, you know, your bucket list, you know, whether or not you're sitting there and maybe you think right now that a marathon is, is, is too long, but to know that eventually one day you want to get there, it's going to be a process and you have, there's, um, I just had a good friend of mine who ran, um, the, uh, uh, marathon up in Milwaukee and she didn't have the race that she wanted. And it's a reminder that this this community, um, I shouldn't say the community, but the endurance space has a lot of highs and lows. There might be injuries. Uh, there might be times where you don't qualify for Boston. Um, but you have to be able to recognize the progress that you make. You have to be able to learn from the mistakes and learn how to do things a little bit better. Um, and you have to have a plan. You know, just natural ability is only going to get you so far. 
And so being able to either have a good coach or to partner with a charity team that, that provides you with a coach and a plan is going to be incredibly beneficial. And there's so much value in um, surrounding yourself with people that you want to be aligned with. Um, I've heard it before, but find your tribe. You know, find the people that you enjoy being uh, being around with and you enjoy running with um, and the people that are going to keep you motivated, that are going to call you out when you're doing things good and going to call you out when you're not doing things well. Um, so that would be, um, I guess, my my tip for, for on the fitness side. And for the charity side, there are so many wonderful organizations out there. I think the Chicago Marathon has somewhere around 150 different chari- charities affiliated with them in some capacity. Do your research. Find uh, the causes that are most passionate uh, to you and try to look and see where do you feel like you can have the biggest impact. Um, I've talked with some folks who you know, don't like the endurance space or maybe they like the endurance space, but they don't realize that they've had brothers who are super connected to the golf industry. And so they can actually get a lot of things for a golf event, um, you know, and don't realize that they could have a twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar impact simply by relying on the connections that they have, the network that they have. Um, so th- I would just, again, start with the, the charities that you're most passionate about and then do, you know, set up some calls, meet with, meet with some folks from there and just try to figure out like where you can have the most rewarding uh, impact with them. Great advice. And I think your fitness advice translates to everything else in life and business in general. So thank you for that. And Meg, okay, advice I think from you. I would say if someone is thinking about it, um, I know some of these big things can be scary. You know, I've done a couple 50 milers, the sparkly thing, and like they were scary. And yet I feel like everything good in life happens on the other side of fear. So as soon as you walk through that, you know, and you're out there, like I remember in the finish of Barkley, I was coming down, the, I came off the last piece of trail, I'm running down the road and all I have left is one Barkley mile, which is really more like two regular miles. And so the only thing I could think of, I knew I was like way under the cutoff. I was going to definitely finish. And I had been thinking before the race, my only regret in life will be if I cannot finish this race because it was so big. I worked so hard for it. And like running down that road and I was like, I am doing this. Like in just a few minutes, I'm going to finish this race. And when you go out and do something that you don't think you can do or that you're like, oh, I wonder if I can do it. I wonder if I'm not going to do it. What if I fail? But you go out there, even if you try and fail, but you or you actually do it. It's like this amazing thing. You are transformed by it. So even with great success or with great failure, when you tackle your fear, you are going to be transformed. And your life will always be transformed in a way that makes it better as opposed to one that doesn't. So I would say if you're scared of something, say yes and go do it. I love that too. You learn a whole lot about yourself when you're challenged, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally. And I agree with you. Um, Some of the best things in life are on the other side of fear and uh, um, potential hardship. Yeah. Thank you for that. We zipped through an hour, John. I mean, (laughs) it was, I probably have 50 more questions I want to ask both of them, but um, I think both of you, we'd love to have you on at some time in the future again. Maybe talk about how the marathon went, uh, planning for 2020, try to maybe get some folks to attempt to support you either financially or just get people in there for 2020 to 
yeah. <laughs> try to run 26 I, points. I already miles. told John because we've, we've got two when we were talking about like what the topic of this meeting would be, but we have two individuals that are running the Chicago Marathon this this weekend, but they are actually fundraising for us to run the World Marathon Challenge, which is seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> how, yeah. that, how, That's do, gonna how do you do that? going to happen in February. Well, you, gotta you, you, fly you, you will find out nightmare. when yes. we're going we're gonna to set that up for later this year, but we Brian are. and Carrie, um, who are both running the, the Chicago Marathon this weekend as part of the American Cancer Society team, that's their big funder. And they're both committed to raising um, $150,000 for the American Cancer Society. Wow. Yes. That is incredible. I'd love to hear about that. John, you did not tell me <laughs> yeah. we're we are going down that road. But if, if yeah. all goes You're, oh, well, you didn't tell you you're signed up for it? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I do one on one continent, I will have done something hey, great. You should do it right here in this great city. In if I did it, it, ha- it would have to be Chicago. Yeah. It's I, a great yeah. race. A great I'm, so I'm, that's why I'm running Chicago next year to finish up the World Marathon Majors. Like I want to finish in a city where I'm going to have all my close friends and people like Meg who have cheered me on through different races and made sure I kept my headlamp on during my first ultra. Exactly. Um, and we talked off air and we didn't really touch on air because we ran out of time. Tell us what that is, what you've done. So the Abbott World Marathon Majors um, is a partnership between six different world marathons, um, the Chicago Marathon, London Marathon, Boston, New York, Berlin, and Tokyo. And they have a partnership um, where you know it's called the Abbott World Marathon, uh, six world marathon majors. And so I am running the Tokyo Marathon as my fifth and we obviously have a lot going on with our American Cancer Society team on race weekend. And on, I've been working and volunteering at the Chicago Marathon with our determination team for the past, this will be my ninth year, uh, but I have not been able to run the marathon yet. And so I told you know my staff and volunteers that once I got through the other five, then I would finish uh, the World Marathon Majors in Chicago. So I will be running Chicago for the first time in 2020. Very cool. Good luck. Thank you. Well, we'd like... First, it sounds like we will have you back on in a very cool capacity. Correct. So uh, good luck this weekend on everything you're doing. Meg, good luck to you on the run. Thank you. And congratulations to you and your boys on everything you've done for the charity and just just in general. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for coming on. John, what do we got for next week? Well, I tell you what, before we get out of here real fast, I'm going to ask uh, Chris. Yes. If you would be so kind... uh, I know that you said it before and reiterated, but can you do the uh, 800 number and the uh, website address one sure. more time for people who want to get involved? The the driving, that really kind of caught my attention, given rides and such, because just never something I thought about. So, Well, so you can call 1-800-227-2345. Mm-hmm. That's 1-800-ACS-2345. Or you can visit www.cancer.org, and there's a live chat option. And that we have amazing staff there. So if you're looking for any sort of volunteer opportunities, if you're looking to learn more about road to recovery, if you're looking to get some information about a recent diagnosis, if you're looking for a discounted or free place to stay during treatment, if you're looking to learn more about some community events like our Chicago Marathon fundraising team or Relay for Life or Making Strides Against Breast Cancer, it's October, it's Breast Cancer Month. So uh, we've got a lot of different walks there for people to get involved. All of that information can be provided if you go to the website and if you do the live chat option or if you call the phone number, the staff has an entire database of information available um, to hand out to to patients, to volunteers, uh, to families. Fantastic. Fantastic. And and Meg, real fast, I know I wasn't able to get it on screen because it's sort of a long, uh, but there's going to be people, we're going to put it in the comments 
but there's going to be people that are going to be listening to this in the future sure. on iTunes and Spotify and such. So can you can you verbalize it for us? I can. So the website link you would go to donate to my page is http colon backslash backslash main m a i n dot a c s events dot org backslash go to backslash Meg runs for dad. And that's all no spaces, obviously. Very good. Yes. Thank you so Great much. Great job on memorizing all that, by the way. <laughs> I <laughs> type well that done. I type that a lot. <laughs> well well, well done. Yeah, Very we good. will get those links up. I personally will be donating. For Thank those you. of you listening, mm-hmm. if you don't have a way to uh, or a person to donate to, please donate to Meg. Yes, you know, she's please do. Obviously please. has an incredible story and she's very passionate and has raised a lot of money for the American Cancer Society. So donate no matter what. And if you don't have somebody to donate towards, donate to Meg. Yes, donate yes. to me. I love it. I love <laughs> good it. luck this weekend. Thank you so much. I hope the weather... The works. weather is looking pretty good. It is. Yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I know it's Chicago so crazy in October. Yeah. You don't know if it's going to be 80. You don't know if it's going to be 20. It looks like it's going to be like 40-ish. Which is Cloud good. cover. Perfect. Maybe a little windier than we would like, but the temperature is going to be awesome. So the last few years have been kind of hot. This is going to be good, fast running weather, and I'm hoping to run nice and fast. <laughs> awesome. And if you're in Chicago this weekend, go out to the course. Yeah, if you sure. even have 30 minutes, if you got an hour, go out there, cheer on the runners. They love you know seeing the smiling faces, somebody to tell them, just run for one more minute. You know When you think yeah, you can stop, exactly. just run for one more minute. Yeah. But I guarantee you that if you are standing on the sidelines cheering for people, you are probably yes. going to get the itch to want to be inside. <laughs> the ropes uh, the next like, year. Let me do it. Yeah. Yes. I, I lived in Streeterville, so I ran right past me for <laughs> 11 years. So a couple times I went down, and it really is yeah. incredible to watch the crowds get behind the people and oh, 40,000 yeah. people yeah. all coming through. I even doing the uh, triathlon uh, this year, when I was really struggling, like you said, just somebody being like, you're doing great, keep on going, you're almost there, even when I wasn't almost yeah. there, really <laughs> helps you just get a little yeah. bit more motivation to take that next one minute. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that, by yeah. the way. Just yeah. go one extra more. Don't tell the runners you're almost there. Don't tell them it's just around the corner. <laughs> I tell you get yes. to like Roosevelt yes. and Michigan. You were not then allowed to say that. You're going to say you're almost there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't tell anybody you're almost there. Cheer, give high fives <laughs> and support. And, and hopefully it motivates you to, if you're not going to do a marathon, to at least sign up and do something because at worst uh, it helps your health out. And at best, it's helping your health out, and it's also helping an incredible cause. Yes. So, thank you guys for coming on. And best of luck, John. uh, What do we got for next week? So next week, for those of you out there who have been following us for quite a while, you remember that we had a bit of a problem with our electricity. Yes. uh, One, two, about two months ago. Shame on our landlords. And there was a gentleman, uh, Dr. David Plurday, who had driven all the way in. Yes. with his extremely pregnant wife yes. to come on to the show and got here and we had nothing. Yep. So he was gracious enough to say, I tell you what, let's wait for my wife to have this baby, which they have, uh, and I will be happy to come back on in a couple of months. And lo and behold, next week is going to make a couple of months. So Dr. David Plurday will be in studio with electricity next week. I'm excited to have him on, and that was one of the worst feelings I've ever had. So, and our, our landlord doesn't watch this, but if you watch this, we don't have electricity next week. Oh, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, I felt so bad. So, oh, thank you to him. Oh, and yeah. um, I, I can't say I'm sorry more when they were downstairs and 
oh. what basically happened in studio was we don't we don't control our electricity in here, nor do we have to pay for it. But we had neighbors move in, and mm -hmm. they uh, that week had messed with the electricity that on the floor that apparently also affects us. So it had shut everything down. And he had driven in, oh gosh, like an hour yeah. in traffic. An and hour. his wife was yeah. nine months pregnant and she came with him. And yeah. we didn't have a show. And they couldn't have been any nicer about it. They were fantastic. And I could not, and I know you as well, I can speak for you. I could not have been any more mortified. Mm, I got, it, so, was, it was bad. It was, I'm it was like embarrassing. Yeah. Cringing even thinking about that day. Right. But I'm glad to have him on next week. And uh, mm -hmm. I know he's going to be an incredible guest. So look forward to it. We'll see you guys next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. And uh, follow us on everything. Thank you for episode 70. In three, two, one.